could a tidal wave have brought an end to the neurogic civilization of Sardinia? Did one of the mysterious sea peoples originate there? And how was Bronze Age Sardinia linked to the Etruscans? Let's explore these questions and more. In 2019, the results of a DNA study in Sardinia were published, which looked at cultural continuity on the island. The researchers carried out a DNA analysis of 43 individuals dating to the Neolithic and Bronze Age, and compared this with the genomic data of 972 individuals from across West Eurasia, as well as 1,500 modern Sardinians they found a strong likelihood for genetic continuation between the Neolithic and the Neurogic civilization which flourished in the Bronze Age. From 1000 BCE, Sardinia then experienced an influx of genes from outside. This is interesting because the Bronze Age Neurogic civilization with its thousands of honeycombed conical towers, warrior figurines, giants' graves and holy wells was remarkably different culturally to that which went before. In fact, the Neurogic civilization is considered to have been quite enigmatic. And in spite of the vast architectural remains that can still be seen today, and the massive finds attributed to this culture, the Neurogic people are still little understood. As with many Bronze Age cultures, they had no written language. However, texts from other contemporary literate civilizations in the Mediterranean do talk about the various groups known collectively as sea people. And one of the more intriguing modern day arguments is that one of these seafaring communities originated with the Neurogic culture in Sardinia. The Sherdan, also known as the Shardana, are one of the sea peoples mentioned in various texts from ancient Egypt and the Near East during the Bronze Age. These sea people were adept at sailing, fighting, coastal raiding and piracy. It's long been debated as to where the Sherdan came from. Due to etymological similarities between Sherdan and Sardinian and Sicilian, it's been suggested that they originated on one of those two Mediterranean islands. The first mention of them is in the Armana letters between the mayor of Byblos and the pharaoh Akhenaten. Later references to them are by Ramesses III in inscriptions in the walls of his mortuary temple at Madinet Habu. He is said to have defeated them in battle and brought those he captured into his personal service as bodyguards. These same inscriptions say that the Sherdan originated from the islands in the middle of the sea and that they attacked ancient Egypt from the north, lending weight to the idea that they came from the central Mediterranean. As well as their appearance in texts, there are also depictions of them on reliefs where they are wearing horned helmets and carrying swords. These representations are similar to the bronze warrior figurines made by the Neurogic civilization of Sardinia, once again suggesting a connection between the Sherdan and the island. However, experts have not been able to confirm 100% a location for the origin of the Sherdan or how they were related to other sea peoples also active in the Mediterranean during the Bronze Age. Strictly speaking, the Neurogic culture ended when the Carthaginians took over the island following repeated attacks. The Carthaginians then surrendered it to Rome after the First Punic War. 
However, most experts think that the Nuragic civilization ended much earlier, around 1175 BCE, and that the society encountered by the Carthaginians had reutilized Nuragic architecture, but didn't necessarily represent a continuation of that culture. But if this is true, then what could have happened in 1175 BCE to greatly weaken the Nuragic culture? An Italian journalist, Sergio Frau, and a number of scientists have suggested in the past that a huge tidal wave may have impacted the island at that time, and that this could have been caused by a comet hitting somewhere off the south coast. Tidal waves are known throughout history and prehistory due to either written texts, the geological record, or both. So the idea isn't wild in itself. However, proving that it happened and what caused it is another story. For example, it's known that in 2200 BCE, there was a weather anomaly referred to as the 4.2 KABP event. There were numerous peer-reviewed papers on this anomaly, what may have caused it and the effect it appears to have had on civilizations around the Mediterranean, including the possible influence it had on the collapse of the temple people in Malta. However, the cause of this anomaly has never been determined. The Minoan eruption on Santorini occurred around 1600 BCE, so was too late to cause the 4.2 event, but too early to have caused a tidal wave affecting the Nuragic civilization. One of Frau's arguments for a tidal wave having hit Sardinia lies in the fact that the southern part of the island, known as the Campidano Plain, was covered with a 600-meter-thick sediment at some point in its history. Of course, Sardinia has an incredibly long geological history and used to be intensely volcanic, so such sediment could have been laid down thousands or hundreds of thousands of years ago. Frau argues for a more recent date because many of the Nuragic towers in that region are covered with earth and vegetation as if the sediment had been laid down by a tidal wave towards the end of the Bronze Age. Several newspaper articles refer to a conference some years ago, including Frau and the geophysicist Stefano Tinti, where the Campidano Plains features were explained as possibly being the result of a tidal wave. However, I can't find any research papers on this specifically. The papers I can find talk about the formation of the plain millions of years ago due to volcanic activity, and they talk about very ancient sediments. I also can't find any evidence for a comet, apart from a short comment linked to that conference. I don't really see why a comet would be more likely than an earthquake, though, especially in such a highly seismic region as the Mediterranean. In the past, I had um, found a paper talking about evidence for a tidal wave in Malta II. But the geologists who wrote the paper on that can't assign a date. So it could have happened a long time before the islands were inhabited by humans. Sergio Frau has also written books arguing that Sardinia could have been the location of Plato's Atlantis based on his reinterpretation of the Pillars of Hercules. According to Frau, the Pillars of Hercules are to be found in the strait between Tunisia and Sicily, rather than at the Strait of Gibraltar, as is commonly thought, or the Strait of Messina, which could also be comfortably argued as a candidate for this. Considering that the strait between Tunisia and Sicily is pretty wide, a lot of people think this is unlikely. However, Frau points out that the strait may once have been a lot narrower. He also argues that if Sardinia was the location of Atlantis, it was during the Bronze Age. 
and that the Nuragic culture were these Atlantean ancestors. The date of Atlantis implied from Plato and modern calculations puts it as having met its demise 9,600 years ago. To make Atlantis fit into a Bronze Age timeline, Frau argues that the years mentioned in Plato actually refer to months. I find this one a bit of a stretch, especially because we all know that Malta is Atlantis. Joking, it might not even have been real. But if it was, then I'm going with Malta. As I've mentioned in previous videos, the Etruscan civilization is thought to have emerged in what is modern day Tuscany, Lazio and Umbria from the Iron Age Villanovan culture that covered the entire Italian mainland at the time. Most scholars have disregarded an external origin for them in spite of the fact that they appear to have spoken a non-Indo-European language isolate and to have developed a unique culture that was quite different to that of the Latin tribes. However, there are a few researchers that propose a Western origin for the Etruscans. In the first century CE, the Greek philosopher and writer Plutarch wrote a biography of the supposed founder of Rome, Romulus. And in it, he mentioned that the Tuscans, who we today call the Etruscans, were said to be a colony of the Sardians, who we now call the Sardinians. Many Bronzetti, the bronze warrior figurines created by the Nuragic civilization, have shown up in Etruscan burial sites along the west coast of mainland Italy, adding further weight to the argument for a Sardinian colony in the ancient past. However, it's just as likely that a trade relationship existed between the two, or that a small number of settlers had travelled to Etruria, especially considering the geographical proximity of these two cultures. In 2011, archaeologists started excavations of an Etruscan settlement dating to the 9th century BCE on the small Sardinian island of Tavalara. Located off the northeast coast, the settlement is further proof of a connection between the two cultures. However, the extent of this relationship is not understood. Did they share ancestry going back as far as the Bronze Age, or were they simply trading partners? Now it's time for some fun speculation, the best kind. I came across a book from the 1800s called Varonianus, a critical and historical introduction to the philological study of the Latin language by the Reverend John William Donaldson. And something I read in it about the Etruscans set my imagination wild. The author states that the Greek word for Tyrrhenian is identical to the Latin Tuscus and Etruscus and the Umbrian Tusque, and that these terms all mean tower builders and refer to the Cyclopean fortifications attributed to the Pelasgians from which the Etruscans were descended. As I've mentioned in my videos on mainland Italy's Cyclopean walls, legend has it that they were built by Pelasgians who came from the Aegean, but no archaeological evidence has been found to support that. Most scholars believe the walls to have been built by the Romans. Also, it's not clear who the Pelasgians were supposed to be exactly. Classical Greek writers use the term to refer to their predecessors in the Aegean. Their actual predecessors, the Mycenaean Greeks in the Bronze Age, did also use Cyclopean masonry techniques, which bolsters the idea that there was some sort of migration or skill exchange between the two places. However, as I said, the archaeology doesn't support this. So now I find an interpretation of Greek texts that says not only did the Pelasgians build the Cyclopean walls, but that they became known as Etruscans because the latter name derives from the term tower builders, and that's what they were doing a lot of building towers. 
And how does this relate to Sardinia? Well, the Nuragic civilization didn't build many structures that can be classified as typically cyclopean. There were a couple of megalithic walls, that's it. However, they are referred to as tower builders in some ancient Greek texts because of the thousands of Nuragi. So maybe there's a connection somewhere. There are thousands of round towers on Sardinia dating to the Bronze Age. I'm not sure of the exact amount because the number varies between 7 and 20,000 depending on where you look. These Nuragi started to appear around 1700 BCE and evolved over time from simple proto-Nuragi to the more complex Tholos Nuragi. They are beehive type structures usually containing niches and are quite reminiscent in style of Tholos tombs from the Mycenaean civilization in the Aegean. Last year I visited the complicated site of Sunaraxi Baramini which went through multiple periods of remodeling during the time it was in use. As with many Nuragi, a settlement of round stone huts grew up around it. Here's an aerial view of the site. I also visited the single-towered Nuragi Santa Cristina, which is near the Holy Well of the same name. There are so many Nuragi that they aren't all open to the public, obviously. Sometimes you just see them on the side of the road in a field. The Nuragi are thought to have served a defensive purpose, especially the later ones, which have huge bastion walls. Many cultures in the Bronze Age Mediterranean started to take on more defensive features at that time, usually moving villages to higher ground and building large walls, so it makes sense. However, I have to ask, why are there so many? Were there really some 20,000 village units or groups that needed to have their own defensive structures? Plus, most of them aren't that big. They certainly aren't like great medieval citadels where the inhabitants of the lower town or the surrounding countryside could move to in the case of an invasion. And they certainly couldn't house huge armies. Perhaps they were only for the elite or maybe they were communication beacons creating a chain that could pass on messages effectively across the entire island. I don't know, but no one really does. Sardinia's prolific Bronze Age architecture also includes megalithic tombs called the Tomba dei Giganti, or Giant's Graves in English, and the holy wells known as the Pozzi Sacri. There are more than 800 Giant's Graves in Sardinia. These monumental above-ground tombs usually have a rounded stella with an arched doorway carved into it, as well as a betil or men here close by. Some of them are as much as 15 meters long and would have been covered with earthen mounds originally. These collective burials were characteristic of the Nuragic culture and quite a departure from the Domus Dejanus necropoli that had been in use during the Neolithic. Votive offerings excavated from the holy wells point to them having been ritual sites. There were also places known as Megaron temples, which likewise appeared to have been ritual sites dedicated to water deities. In later Greek and Roman culture, there were many sanctuaries dedicated to water nymphs, so it's possible these beliefs and rituals were rooted in the more ancient past. There are less than 100 holy wells in Sardinia, so they aren't nearly as common as the Nuragi. It's thought that people travelled to them from far away for specific events during the year. The Holy Well of Santa Cristina is a beautiful example. The well sits in a circular vaulted structure made of basalt blocks referred to as a tholos, which has a small oculus at the top of it and is fed by a spring. A flight of 25 steps set into a trapezoidal structure leads down into the well. I did a more detailed video on this site, including some drone footage if you want to find out more. 
The well looks like a keyhole from above and is set inside a walled enclosure with a similar shape, which in turn is set inside an elliptical one. The entire structure is oriented towards the southeast and there are several theories about its solar and lunar alignments. So it seems the Nuragic culture were fighters based on their extensive warrior figurines and weapons. It seems they worshipped water deities and it seems they were divided into numerous communities all requiring a defensive structure or focal point. However, it's not understood how this culture developed its unique attributes, what language it spoke, or if it sent out a group of pirates known as the Shardana. It's also not really clear why it came to an end. As usual, the Etruscan connection has my brain working overtime, and I do wonder how much natural disasters have played a role in shaping the history of the Mediterranean. There are a few points of research that I came across in this video that need exploring further, but I wanted to touch on them because I was very excited by what I read. Let me know what you think in the comments. Please like this video and subscribe to the channel, and come and find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook where I post regularly, including photographs from the sites I visit. My website, megalithhunter.com, has further information on those places too.